how do we create a win-win situation then? Because really, if you're working together, all of your boundaries can actually be about things that are creating win-wins. Hi guys, we're your hosts, Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi, friends. As per Shakespeare, the course of true love never did run smooth. So today we're diving into part two of our relationship interview with couples and family therapist Liz Earnshaw. If you missed part one, go back and check out episode 13, where we dive into how couples can deal with COVID, whether they're quarantining together or doing long distance. We also learned a lot about communication and conflict, Dr. Gottman's Four Horsemen, which was super fascinating and eye-opening, and how to deal with stress as a team. And honestly, since we recorded with Liz, we've both improved our communication styles, not only with our partners, but with our family and our friends. It's true. So today, we're bringing you part two of our interview, which covers power struggles that can crop up in conflict, improving your communication skills, and how to seek or offer support when one partner is dealing with mental health struggles. So Liz dropped some major truth bombs in our interview, and the biggest takeaway for me might have been when she debunked the never-go-to-bed angry myth. I feel like it's just so ingrained in us that, quote, good couples resolve everything before they go to bed, and they don't remain in states of conflict and fights, but Liz really helped me understand that forcing a conversation and pursuing a resolution when your partner is just at capacity and really need space is not productive. Yeah. And that rule was also advice that my mom had given me growing up. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we've established as a rule in our marriage, but now I am totally rethinking it. Yes. It's really changed the way I think about communication. I mean, I'm definitely the type that forces communication and doesn't let things go until they're resolved, but it makes sense that not everyone functions that way. So you need to just respect each other and find a middle ground of what works And I mean, I've seen every type of power struggle that Liz describes in this episode pop up amongst my friends and my family's relationships. And it's actually really helped me understand Mm -hmm. what they're going through in their relationships and the obstacles they're overcoming and like the different communication struggles that are probably present. So honestly, this stuff applies to all of us. I've also realized through Liz that it really helps to figure out what's deep at the root of an issue. So Liz talks about the different power struggles that couples deal with, and one of them is shame. And that really got me thinking. So let's say you're arguing about dishes and things get super escalated. Is it really about the dishes? Or is it that one partner feels like their lifestyle expectations and standards aren't being respected? Or maybe there's an imbalance in the chores, so they just feel like this shit isn't fair. And then the other one feels shame and defensiveness because they feel like maybe they're being attacked or they're not good enough. So really, you're having a conversation about respect, fairness, and shame, not about dishes. You got to get to the core of it. I know personally, I can pick out times that I've reacted pretty defensively or spicily to a comment. Everything from, hey, maybe we should get back into exercising or like, hey, let's just take the day to really clean up your space. It could use a tidy. And now I see that when I react poorly to that, it's 100% my shame coming through because maybe I feel really out of shape and I'm self-conscious of that or I'm ashamed that I'm such a messy person. 
So shame is just at the root of so many of our issues. It is one of the power struggles that Liz will dive into today. So yeah, check out Brene Brown if you want to look into some of the work she's done on shame because it's freaking fascinating. Yeah, Brene Brown is the shame queen. Another big thing that we learned from Liz was the importance of setting boundaries. And I think I said this in the last episode, but you can't read your partner's mind. And I think when you're in a relationship for a long time with someone, you can kind of fall down the path of expecting your partner to know you well enough to anticipate what you need. But straight up, you have to tell them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had to learn how to explicitly voice what I need to Gabe, and he's had to do it with me too. Otherwise, we just won't be able to show up the right way for each other. So similar to what you said before, I am an extremely neat person, like a little bit over the top. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I would find myself nagging Gabe a lot when things got messy. But when I boil it down to why I need my space to be clean, it's really because it just calms me down. It helps with my anxiety. And so when I told him that, he immediately had so much empathy and understanding for me. And that was way more effective than just nagging him to clean up. And now Mm -hmm. he's honestly probably like the neatest guy out there. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Win-win. And it works both ways. Like he's had to sit me down too when I was spending way too much time at work last year and just told me that I was sort of crossing the boundary of not showing up enough at at home and and being there for him. And I wasn't there there the way that he needed me to be. So again, voicing your needs, it sounds so simple when you say it out loud, but it's so often forgotten in relationships and it has helped us through so much. It's such a game changer. It makes a huge difference. So another truth bomb that Liz dropped for me is that it is so much more important for a partner to listen and support you than for them to be right. This is definitely a huge generalization, so apologies in advance, but I do feel like in my experience, it's often such a guy thing to just need to be right. And I think that's a huge mistake that happens in a lot of relationships that I see amongst my friends and my peers. It all just becomes an argument about who's right, and everyone makes it just a little bit too much about themselves, which is human nature, but I just think conversations that could be about offering emotional support become about being right or fact-finding or proving them, you know someone else wrong. And man, sometimes when you're ranting about something and you're really frustrated, you just need your people to be your ally, not to play devil's advocate or to prove their own point. You just need someone on your side. And when you're struggling, it's honestly just so much more important that your partner believes you and listens to you and respects what you're going mm-hmm. through rather than trying to inject themselves into your experience so that they can understand and solve it. Yeah, I can relate to that so much. Uh, Gabe is such a problem solver, but sometimes I just need him to listen and agree with me that, yes, that girl was a bitch and I'm totally <laughs> right. And I mean, I've had to learn how to do the same for him. And, and it sounds weird, but sometimes you just sort of need to say, like, do you need me to just listen right now or do you want me to help you solve that issue? Yeah, just get, like just straight up ask. Yeah. Find out what they need and then just offer that because I don't know, especially as a woman, I just feel like I appreciate the support of, of problem solving, but sometimes I just really need to be heard and I just mm-hmm. need to rant and get through it and then everything will be okay. Even with your friends, like if you're going to your yeah. friend with a problem, they might be like, oh shoot, she needs advice. But if you just need to vent, like just make that clear. That's so true. You just kind of need to know what you need and express that and then people can show up for you. Mm -hmm. I also love that Liz said it helps to state things in positive need when you're negotiating or just discussing your needs. So instead of approaching things like, you need to stop doing this, if you instead just express what your need is and how, you know, a change or a consideration could really help you, that's such a better approach. 
you know, this one time I asked my partner about what I could improve on or work on in the relationship because we were just having a bit of like a level setting conversation and the way that he went about it was so nice. It completely disarmed me and it affected me so much more than anyone else's feedback I'd gotten on the, the subject, which which was how I'm late for everything and really bad with time, <laughs> really tardy. It's not, it's a, it's a bad quality to have, but it's, it's been with me for life. So anyways, I get a lot of shit from people about always just being late and bad with time. And so instead of, you know, kind of attacking me for it, like most people do, or, or being super critical, he was like, you know, it would be really great for me if, if my time is just respected, that would really help me mm. if I can just have my time be respected. And it like shook me to my core. I was like, oh my God, he thinks I'm not respecting his time. That's so rude of me. I feel horrible. Yeah. That really helped me take a piece of feedback constructively and, and try to make changes. So yeah, 10 points for Gryffindor. 10 points for Gryffindor. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that reminds me of once Gabe bought a negotiation book when we first started dating. He's really into negotiation. And <laughs> There was a chapter all about arguing constructively with your partner, and it touched on the importance of never arguing in the past. Mm. And that's honestly something that we've followed through 10 years later. I'm so glad he read that book. So we'll very rarely say things like, you always do this, or remember when you did this when we're fighting, because it just has nothing to do with what's going on in the present moment. And therefore, it's just not constructive. It's solving the current issue. So if one of us does start to slip there and argue in the past, we'll literally call it out as a cue to like snap us out of it and get us back to the real issue. Because wow. keeping our arguments in the present day, it's it's honestly helped us solve our conflicts so much faster because we're not just holding on to something that someone did once or a few months ago over your relationship. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Liz touches on that this too in, in this episode. Because if your partner's done something to hurt you, of course they're in debt to you and they need to make it up absolutely but if you've set a bar for how they can do that and you're constantly moving it or you're holding it over them it's just not going to help you guys move forward and grow together so it's really important to again stay positive and keep it in the present day oh that is so wise I really could take a leaf out of that book because sometimes I find it hard <laughs> to let things go but I guess ultimately you just want to do what's the most constructive and productive for your relationship like that's when it's a win-win I love that but we are not the experts, clearly. So we're excited to share more of Liz's infinite wisdom with you right now. Liz is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder of A Better Life Therapy in Philadelphia. She helps couples through everything. Betrayal, grief, loss, trauma, while also teaching the art of communication. You can find her on Instagram at Liz Listens, where she shares super valuable relationship advice and therapy strategies with her hundreds of thousands of followers. And you can sign up for her Love Lessons 365 membership, which is designed to help you build reliable, responsive, and respectful relationships that you deserve. Teach us how to communicate better, Liz. So what are some of the biggest issues that couples tend to come to you with? Mm, yeah. So a lot of people will come in and they say that they have communication issues. That's probably the top thing that somebody would write on their paperwork. And, you know, interestingly enough, communication issues usually means about a thousand different things. So there's not really one general thing people come with. They think they're coming with the same thing, right? Everyone thinks we just don't know how to communicate. But when they break it down, you know, one couple, their communication issue is because 
there was a deep betrayal at some point. And another couple, their communication issue is because they're just not great listeners and they just need to learn how to do that better. And for other couples, their communication issue is incompatibility. You know, they're not bad communicators. They just don't get along. And and so a lot of times we really have to work through, especially in the first couple sessions, to figure out what is actually going on versus, you know, what was presented at first. Hmm, that makes sense. Can people work through incompatibility? Like, is that something you can work on? Or is it just, do you find if, if two people on earth that they're just incompatible, there's not much you can do about it? Yeah. So it depends, I guess, how you would define incompatibility. You know, I think that sometimes when people come in and they're fine with communicating, they just don't get along. They don't like each other. They don't have the same values. The bigger question is, yeah, you can make it work, but do you really want to? Like, is that going to be a fulfilling life for you to figure out how to be a roommate with somebody? Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you're not sharing those things that make a relationship really meaningful, then I don't know, it might not be worthwhile. At the same time, some people do choose to make it work, right? They say we have kids or, you know, I'm not really interested in the mess of a divorce or whatever it is. And so they live as roommates and they they figure out how to, quote, communicate with each other in a way where they're not yelling and, and getting upset all of the time. But I think the bigger question is not, can you make it work? But is it really beneficial to make something work that isn't necessarily healthy, even if it's healthy-ish, is it good good enough for you and for your life? You've also identified four power struggles that couples uh, are sometimes faced with, with conflict or just communication. So could you walk us through those as well? Absolutely. So a lot of times we will get into power struggles and a power struggle clearly looks like a pulling back and forth, right? So in the power struggle, there's somebody who is pursuing something and the other person who's kind of pulling away. And when this happens, it's often because of four different things. So one reason is that the conflict is so scary that the couple is really worried that if if, you know, the one person who's dis- distancing actually is worried that if they engage, it's going to make the relationship worse. So they're trying to preserve their connection and they're saying, I don't want to talk about that because we're just going to fight. And I've been in relationships like that, right? Where the other person's like, I don't want to go there right now. Da, da, da. And that's because there's a fear. We're going to lose our connection. And the person pursuing in that dynamic is afraid of the same thing. And But they're thinking, if we don't talk about it right now, we're going to break up or this is never going to be fixed. So the, one of the people is trying to preserve connection by preventing the conversation. And the other is saying, oh, we're going to lose everything if we don't talk about this. And so they kind of pull back and forth. The other reason people get into that dynamic is that one person is feeling like their autonomy is being threatened. So they they will pull back based off of that. And then obviously the other person is going to feel threatened by that. And they're going to pursue and say, no, come back, connect with me. Da, 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 da. But the other person is pulling back because they actually do want space. They're not pulling back because they want to protect the connection. They're pulling back because they're saying, look, I need a night to myself. And that um, never go to bed angry quote is like the worst quote because oftentimes the person who wants to go to bed is telling you very clearly, this isn't going to go anywhere good. 
and I either need space or I'm just really freaked out that I'm going to explode in this conversation. So I, I need us to wait. And so that advice, I think, perpetuates the pursuer to say, oh, but we're not supposed to go to bed angry. Talk to me or don't leave until we figure this out. But the best thing you can do in that dynamic is to actually learn to take on the role of the other person. So if the other person pulls away saying, all right, fine, take your space and allowing them to come back because it relieves some of the tension. The third reason is that sometimes our conflict brings up shame and people respond differently to shame. So um, let's say that I come home and I say, why wasn't the water bill paid yet? What's going on? And the water bill wasn't paid because my husband's salary got reduced. My husband might say, I don't want to talk about that right now. And that can sometimes be because there's a lot of shame. And me bringing up the problem has created that sense of shame. And when that's the case, it's really important to like, see that that could be, you know, what's going on and to be able to offer safety within that, you know, oh, I think my husband or I think my partner, or I think my mom, or I think my child is feeling ashamed right now. And instead of criticizing it, which just creates more shame, being able to be vulnerable and say, you know, babe, like what's going on? It seems like this is hard for you to talk about. If you need space, that's fine. You can still have boundaries and say, we have to talk about it by tomorrow, but really be gentle around that shame. And then the fourth reason is punishment. So we get into power struggles if we believe someone deserves it. So they cheated on me. They deserve it. They had it coming to them. I don't have to text them back. I can disappear for three days. They hurt me. Or the other person, the pursuer might say, you don't have any right to take space. You hurt me. You have to listen to me. And if it sucks for you, too bad. So it comes out of this space of, I'm kind of punishing you because I'm still really, really angry. So those are the four reasons that we often get in these like really frustrating back and forth dynamics. If you're in a relationship and you have been hurt or you've hurt someone and the partner feels that they can kind of go after you more because they've been hurt. And I mean, how do you resolve that? So... When there's been a betrayal in the relationship, and betrayals are anything that is outside of what you thought your relationship contract was, so not just affairs, but somebody really hurts you outside of what you thought the commitment was, um, yeah, that person that did the betrayal might be on the receiving end of a lot of punishment and anger. And when I'm working with couples who are recovering from a betrayal, one thing that I say to both of them, the person who did the betrayal, I talk to them and I say, you know, really it is your job right now to make amends, to listen to the pain, to apologize. Like, and these are hard things to do, but you have to do it and you're going to have to do a lot of trust building behavior. And I often compare it to a bank account. So when their bank account was healthy, it didn't matter if they took $100 out. But the betrayal took all of the money out and $100, and now there's an overdraft fee. And I often say, you're paying the overdraft fee right now. This isn't what it's going to be like forever. You can't be in a relationship that feels this bad always. But for a little bit, 
you do have to pay the $100 back and you have to pay the $30 overdraft. And that's that's really the truth here. For the other person, I say, you know, I know you're angry and you have every right to have boundaries, to say you're angry, to request certain things. And just like the bank isn't allowed to give 10 overdraft fees a day, you can't do that either. Mm-hmm. Because if you do it, just like with a bank, the person will never be able to pay themselves out of the hole. So if if you tell your partner, the way you can make this better for me is by doing X, Y, and Z, and they do it, and then you say, I'm moving the goalpost again, it's never going to work. So you have to really work on being very, very clear. These are the things I need. If I'm going to move the goalpost, I'm going to be clear about why I'm doing that. And I'm going to work really hard on expressing my feelings and my boundaries and my needs without moving into another type of betrayal. Because if you combat one betrayal with another betrayal, which is the betrayal of disrespect and contempt, then the relationship falls apart even more. Because then who's the problem now? And mm-hmm. and that is when couples get really, really stuck. That's a like a perfect segue into our next question because we wanted to know uh, – what you recommended on how to set healthy boundaries in your relationship while you're in quarantine together? That's a great question. I think that the most important thing is to actually sit down with each other and say, hey, how are things going? You know, in a healthy relationship, you should be able to do that. So you don't have to unilaterally come up with the boundaries and set them. You could sit down and say, how are things going? And allow yourself to be really open to their impression in the way you would hope that they would be open to yours. And then talk to each other about what your boundaries are around that. It's okay to say, you know, in a non-critical way, you can say, it's been going okay, but you know, it's been really hard for me is like when the TV is on really late at night and I'm really trying to get to sleep at, at 9 p.m. And so I need there to be a quiet space in the bedroom. And your partner might say, well, I really need to be able to like unwind and watch TV and da, da, da. Okay. So like, how do we create a win-win situation then? Because really, if you're working together, all of your boundaries can actually be about things that are creating win-wins. You know, yep, I know you need quiet time. I need to decompress. I'm going to get earphones and I'll go in the other room and I'll watch TV so you can sleep. Or I'm going to put plugs in my ears and three nights a week, watch TV and I'll just, I'll deal with it because I know it's important to you. So sit down first and really talk about like what is happening and how are you feeling about all of these things? And you want to state things in what we call a positive need. So a positive need is saying what you do want. And um, even if you can't sit with your partner, when you set boundaries with someone, tell them what you do want. Telling somebody what they don't want isn't usually very effective. Mm -hmm. So I really want to be able to go to sleep by 10 or I need to go to sleep by 10 instead of I don't want the TV on all night because then we know what we're working with. Oh, you want to go to sleep by 10? Okay, let's figure out how to do that. If you say I don't want the TV on all night, then I'm going to say, well, why? Why is it a problem? I want the TV on and it becomes um, a debate about the thing that you don't want. Something else that I've noticed in some of the relationships I've had and in my friends' relationships is when one partner deals with anxiety or depression or any sort of uh, mental health struggle and the other partner doesn't, 
it's really hard to communicate about it and express it and to truly understand. Like I have friends, you know, who've come to me and said, my partner has never experienced a moment of anxiety that they can recognize in their life. So they don't understand when I'm spiraling. They're literally like, what's happening right now? Why is this happening to you? And so for people who just are in very different mental health situations, how can you communicate and support and relate to one another? I think something that's really important for people to remember is that you have to take pressure off of yourself. When we put pressure on ourselves, we work way too hard. (laughs) You don't actually have to understand your friend's experience. Hmm. You don't have to understand your partner's experience. You won't. And, And most of the time, it's not really for you to understand. But what you do need to be able to do is listen like truly hear what they're saying and believe it's their experience. When we try to work too hard and try to understand, what we actually often do is make the other person upset because we try to apply it to how we would think, how we would experience it, how we would do it. And then any response we give is about us more than it is about them. And we've all had experiences on both ends, right? Where we say, oh yeah, I'd be so angry if that happened. And they go, I, that's not what I said at all. I'm not angry. That's not what I'm saying, but I was thinking about myself. So really allowing yourself to actually have permission to not know anything about it and to be super curious and to let the other person be your teacher, you know, because actually, even if you and I both experience anxiety, it might not be the same. Mm -hmm. So saying to somebody, you know, teach me about you. What is this like for you? Oh, wow. Like I... I've never really had that happen. So your heart rate goes up and it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's terrible. And that sounds terrible. What else happens? And really being curious about them is often much more helpful than trying to step into their shoes. That's so helpful. That what you just said about believing rather than understanding is so helpful because I think a lot of us function in this capacity where I need to understand it before I can believe it. But in relationships, I think it's a really good point that to help and support your partner, sometimes you just need to believe them and not, yeah, not try to step into it, but just be like, okay, you're saying you're going through this. Wow. That's a lot. Okay. I've never felt that, but I believe you're feeling that. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we step back and we think, well, I don't think my partner's a liar. So why am I Why am I questioning it? Why am I not believing that this is their experience? If you do think your partner's a liar, that's a whole other can of worms that you have to look at. But if you mostly think your partner is like a reasonable human being that you love, just because one thing makes them anxious that doesn't make you anxious or vice versa, it doesn't mean it's not true. It's true for them or they wouldn't be saying it. Yeah. And and the asking questions part too, I think is is super important. I mean, last night I was having my own little anxious moment and I didn't notice till after we had talked, but Gabe, my husband, just kept asking me like open-ended questions almost just to get me talking. And by mm-hmm. the end, end of the night, I felt amazing. And it was just because I had gotten everything out that was going on in my head. And I mean, he he could relate in the sense that he wanted me to feel better, but he wasn't going through those things, but he just knew to just ask the right questions. Opening that communication is really, really helpful, especially if you don't fully understand what the person's going through. Good job, Gabe. (laughs) We're learning. We're learning. (laughs) It's very powerful when people can do that. One question that we always like to ask our guests is, what's something that you wish you had been taught in school? 
Hmm. I, I wish I would have been taught communication skills, honestly. Luckily, I was taught that in school and grad school, but I really wish that there would have been a real focus on how do you communicate with other people without being harmful and how do you communicate with other people to make sure you have your own needs met. And I don't think we teach people to do that enough. And I think that's why we have a lot of people who get stuck in very harmful conflict and do very harmful things to each other because they just Mm -hmm. don't know how to speak for themselves. Please tell everyone where they can find you and your services and all the content that you put out. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me on. I had so much fun talking to you both today. So I'm Liz Earnshaw. You can find me at Liz Listens on Instagram. I also own a practice in Center City, Philadelphia, and we serve people in California, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Um, And we really focus on relationships, whether you're single or you're in a couple. Um, And you can find us at abetterlifetherapy.com. And I also have a course or a membership program actually called Love Lessons 365. And it is completely designed to support people in any of the relationships that they have to build healthier, happier relationships with other people through building a healthy and happy relationship with themselves. We hope that this chat helps you build stronger communication in all of your relationships. And in the spirit of expressing your needs openly and directly, we'll leave you with a quote from the fabulous Madonna. A lot of people are afraid to say what they want, and that's why they don't get what they want. That's what she said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.